Um, the only thing to watch out for is tapping the table because okay. it's hard to take that out, but everything else will come out. So, uh, right, let's go. He says, thumping the table. <laughs> <laughs> Don't thump the table, thump oh, the table. What Idiot. a pro. All right. Hey, uh, dear reader, welcome. Reader? Reader. <laughs> oh, it's going well. Let me just start Take. Again. Hello, dear listener, who may also read after us, but right now, listener, we are in the studio and not at all giggling, <laughs> but we're very serious. We're going to do some introductions because it's podcast time. So I'm Ian Jindal. I run internet retailing, but in the studio today, I've got some lovely guests, Rain and Tola, and my co-host Georgia. But don't take it from me, let's hear from them. Rain, when he kicks off, tell everyone who you are, then Ntola, then Georgia can remind us, and I'll have ticked off intros done properly. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Rain. So I'm Rain. I'm the head of Ecom and Performance Marketing at New Look. Before that, I've had various roles within retail. I've always worked in retail. So most recently, Jigsaw, Mint Velvet, I was kind of covering all of the I'm going to say middle-aged, but, you know, more mature women's brands. And then I've been at Arcadia, Farfetch, and it was at Monsoon Accessorized for a very long time. Oh, my God, that's loads. So plenty yeah. to talk about there. Yeah. Ntola, tell us who you are. Sure. So I'm Ntola. I'm trading director at Emma Bridgewater. Um, started my career 20 old years ago <gasps> um, in Germany, actually. So I'm fluent in Nine. German. Nine. Yes, natürlich, freilich. Bestimmt. Jawohl. Good. And um, have worked for so many brands, so from the Intertex Group to Jack Wolfskin, over to Jules, and obviously now Emma Bridgewater, and have made the jump from retail, wholesale, distributor to doing e-commerce. So, yeah, Lovely. looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, incredible. Georgia, no pressure. No pressure. Well, I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm Georgia, I'm Ian's co-host, and I am the head of marketing for Adobe. Lovely. I'm so glad we got the full extent of your German there. <laughs> I only know two words. I know. Was and it wasn't It wasn't. Much, no. <laughs> um, but before we go on, was that an acceptable intro? That was fabulous. Yeah. I'm so pleased. Thank Good. you. George's well guardian of proper intros. So, look, I can see there's going to be a merging here because there are quite a few interesting intersections. Uh, but let's maybe just start off with you, Rain, to talk about New Look, what you're up to, and in particular, maybe drawing a thread of where you see um, fashion going. Because you've covered off an incredible list of brands. <laughs> it's basically like the whole high street. Yeah. So let's just start at the end, in a way, with, with New Look and tell us what you're up to there. Because the last time I think we did anything um, serious on New Look was definitely pre-pandemic, when you know they were one of the early capable adopters uh, in digital. But, you know, we're in a different world now. So just, just tell us what you're up to there and how the market looks in women's fashion now. Yeah, sure. So I'm heading up the trading optimization team. Um, I So that obviously does what it says on the tin. We trade the website. We look at all of those amazing metrics and, you know, all of that merchandising good stuff. And then also digital marketing. And we're doing some really exciting things in terms of marrying data. And I think that's sort of a really key thing for New Look at the moment. We've invested a lot in customer data and a customer analytics and data team. So we're really kind of taking that 
the next stage, you know, marrying the rich heritage of sort of biomerchandising design that they have and, and looking at all of those different data points so that how the, how the customer is shopping now and he, how he can optimise for her and kind of predict what she's going to do. And I think that's the kind of sort of key thing. It's not the prediction, a sort of big data, sort of global modelling. Yeah. So you said all the basic stuff around optimization, but of course it's not basic. <laughs> and most people are going to come tell us because we want to know what it is. So most of the optimization activity typically happens in the marketing sphere. Yep. You know, where we have 15 years of personalization, optimization, targeted marketing, et cetera, et cetera. But just open up the trading side. So on the basis that I'm targeting, personalizing, promoting, offering, what, what's left to do on the website? What was this thing that you do once they get there? So once they get there, we do a lot of work on search. So we look at all of the search results, we analyze them, we look to see whether there's no results for that search query and then kind of serve the customer something that is, is relevant for her. We pass those search queries on to the buying team as well to so that they can see sort of trends in pattern in kind of behavior. Ooh. It's kind of a sort of an early indicator of, of what's happening. And we work really closely with our SEO agency in terms of um, trends, optimization of keywords, and, and looking at kind of peppering those across the site. So making the journeys as relevant for the customer as possible. Mm. And again, there'll be people listening who are saying, uh, look, Ian, you've been talking about this thing for at least 15 years, maybe 20. So what are the unsolved problems or still causing difficulty? Because if we look at our inboxes, every person and her dog is telling me about their AI-powered, <laughs> hyper-personalised segment of one guaranteed conversion algorithm. Mm -hmm. But obviously, if that was true, you wouldn't be doing anything. So w what are the problems that, you know, when you arrive in the morning that you're still dealing with that maybe our CEOs think that we've already solved? I think one of the key things that keeps me up at night at the moment is product attribution and how we describe Ooh. products and how we get as many different words to that product as humanly possible that we might not know. I mean, I'm wearing a black dress, it's it's a black dress, but you could describe it as a funeral dress, a wedding dress, all of these kind of different things. But That's, that's quite a span there. For. All, the, all the major life events. <laughs> and the customers use all of those terms, but in a traditional retailer or a, or a more sort of heritage retailer like New Look, we've got very kind of rigid systems where we describe things for reporting so it's kind of marrying that what we need for reporting and what we need for mm. um, analyzing sales with actually what is the customer looking for and how do we optimize to it because to your point of AI and chat GPT and all of these things they're amazing and I've just come from a meeting about that but you've got to feed the beast so mm. you've got to feed all of that information into it because it's that you know yeah the adage that's, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out. So you've got to really kind of think about how to describe it, how to kind of use terms that the customer actually knows as well. But if you think about the customer, I remember, you know, a long time ago at House of Phrase, they would have, you know, occasion wear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You say, well, what does that mean? Exactly. And they said, you're an idiot. Of course, it means a wedding. I said, well, are there other occasions? Yeah, and then they'd go into, you know, the funeral dress sector or, yeah. the, you know, whatever. But fundamentally, when we looked at the search... People would say, I want a black dress, I want a smart dress. Yeah. And that dress might happen to be in evening wear, Christmas yes. special, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of time looking at the attributes where you can say, well, you can describe this in 500 ways, but the two main attributes are it's a dress and it's black. Yeah. And then formality. So as we get this bloat of attributes, 
What is the customer saying to you versus the buying categories? The customer has lots of different admissions to your example then. So the, the buyers obviously are buying a black dress and they're mm-hmm. choosing it on taste and style and all of those brilliant things that humans do. If you have lots of attributes, that can then power subsets of products that powered by AI, a human can't do the scale of it. Mm. So you can then generate lots of different subsets of products that if somebody types in Google, black dress for a wedding that's got white lace and is just above my knee, it can kind of bring that back because it knows all of those things. Right. See, Rather I than told saying, you. where's your knee? AI for the power of good. For the power of it's, good. It is for the power of good. I think it's, it's <laughs> a really great thing. I'm, I'm a, a massive advocate for it. So I think how... people search by consumer moments. Do you mm-hmm. remember the J-Lo dress, which was actually the Versace dress? I yeah. do. But people searched by the J-Lo dress. Yeah. So if you didn't have all your keywords in check with your imitations of it, then yeah. um, you didn't. You, lo- you lost market share. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Although I will say that you've kind of insinuated that those are the basics and there are some retailers that definitely don't have that in check. I talked about this one recently. A major retailer who will remain unnamed, if you search red dress, only shows oh. one dress, like two dresses. But that's because they're all named tangerine dress. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, coral dress. And I was looking for of this course. dress because I'd seen it in the window and I knew they stocked it. And I couldn't find it for a lot. It took me about an hour and a yeah. half. And then they didn't have it in my size. Okay. Tahitian blush. Tahitian blush. Yeah. <laughs> what colour is Tahitian blush? <laughs> I'm going to say like a coral pink. Orangey? Oh, right? You said pink, but what's coral? Coral is sometimes orange. Coral, yeah. Yeah. Orangey pink. I thought um, it was a cocktail. <laughs> it sounds like a blush, good one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nail varnish, and we were doing this whole project about um, metonyms. So, you know, Tahitian blush is a subset of orange, which is a thing that's in the family of reds. But is it warm? Is it happy? Mm. You know, you're trying to tell a computer that when someone types in orange, do I include Tahitian blush and should it be ranked higher or lower? Now we just ask AI and it says, you know, of course you can have whatever it's called, but, you know, sick parrot, what colour nail varnish is that? Green, for sure. Green, maybe a bit purpley. <laughs> oh, stop. Blue? I know. <laughs> yellow, bright yellow, who knows? Anyway, so um, let's go back to attributes then. We, in, in a totally different conversation, we were talking about the number of attributes that products have and someone turned to me, and said, in the olden days, you could sell some of your 12 attributes. Yeah. Then it went to 80. Mm-hmm. Now we're tracking about 200 plus attributes at least. per product, at least. So how are you managing that? You know, are you deploying AI? Is that going to be your answer? Yeah, so at the, we can go up to about 90 with our current systems. So we're managing that kind of base subset. And then, yeah, we are going to AI and we're going to image recognition as well so that you can and then it can learn so it's i mean ai is a very grand term for a lot of things and a lot of ai attribution is is machine learning mm. so it then learns that the tahitian is blush and all of those things so but the image recognition means you can do things in scale i mean all of these things can be done by a human but it's the amount of scale that you need and then the more yeah. attributes that you have the more patterns you can make and the more you can use them in kind of different ways as well so there's the search example, but there's also the returns example of, of knowing, for instance, that high neck dresses and larger bus sizes have a higher return rate you know, and all of those things. So you can start to use attributes in a kind of a, a more sophisticated way. Wow. Let's just bring this back to product. So, New York, how many, how many products do you have under management? 
About 20,000? 20,000. 20, so uh, Yeah, at least is a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, but with the bloat in product description, in the different search presentations, different on-site presentations, to what extent are you selling through that whole range? Or is it ultimately that you know, your top 10% are delivering 90% of sales? How are you managing to balance the enormous quantity of, of answers to the small number of customer questions? I think that does go back to sort of more traditional buying and merchandising and trading. Mm. So you are, you know, that you will buy different volumes in, in different types of product and you kind of have flow lines and all of those things. So you know that you're going to sell more of those. And then it's the job of my team to trade those options as well. So to make sure they're being seen by the customer. So actually, is she seeing it? Is she clicking on it? Do we have it in her size? And does she like it? So it's kind of a lot of kind of different levers to pull within all of those things. And just to wrap up on this, so the customer wants everything brought to a point focus for her when she's looking. But a lot of the data you have will have come from minus six months ago when mm -hmm. it was put on the merchandising system yeah. to plus three months ago when you're thinking, should we remain or discount this? So you're dealing with a really long period of time and trying to make this all relevant for the customer. So internally, how are you managing those conversations with the buying team who are on to next season or the returns people who don't care what it was? You know, there are a lot of people to juggle yeah. in order to bring that to a point focus. Is that a solved problem for you? or uh... I think it's a work in progress, for sure. And I think, you know, there's so much data out there, but it's actually making it relevant and useful. So, you know, you can have 2,000 data points, but if you only use 10, you might as well just have 11 data points. So, <laughs> exactly. so it's it's kind of actually, what what is this thing that you've got and how are you going to make it relevant for the end consumer of that mm. information? So in terms of returns, you know, we track time, we track returns back on online and all of those kind of stock metrics. But it's it's about kind of actually making it and I think the key thing and I've you know come from a merchandising background and I've always worked in retail we are selling things to people and we're selling predominantly in my case dresses to women and we've got to kind of take it back to that and not overcomplicate it and think actually yeah. is this dress nice or not I've got this example that I roll out all the time of when I was at Farfetch we had this Jimmy Choo trainer that was it had every single bell and whistle on it known to man. And we had hundreds of this trainer. It was on the top of New Inn. It was on the top of the trainer page. And then the data scientists were like, we don't understand why it's not selling. We can't understand why it's not selling. We've got it in every size. And I was like, have you seen the trainer? Would you buy the trainer? So, you know, you've got to kind of then think about that human element back into it because you can have as much data and as much science as you like, but yeah. it, it is a product that is... It's an emotional purchase. It's not a And so sticking a little flag on it that said top seller, limited numbers left, that didn't That work. didn't help. <laughs> that really didn't help because wow. it was product failure. But you've kind of got to think about these things in a kind of quite pragmatic yeah. way as well. So um, while we're being pragmatic then, uh, I just remembered that our listener may not be familiar with the UK High Street. So if they're looking at... Um, our website and they see all the apparel people, or they look at your LinkedIn profile and look at all the different, you know, retailers you worked for. Just give us a thumbnail of when you look fits into the physical and digital high streets. Who's it for? And what's this this magic sauce that Yeah, so I think je ne sais quoi. 
one of the reasons why I wanted to work for New Look is it's 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 very well represented on the UK high street. So we still have a, over 400 stores. Mm. So, you know, we're in most towns. We are a very democratic brand. We have, you know, we want to create that New Look feeling. And I think, you know, we are, our price points are very um, competitive and we have, a, we have a very wide range of products. We have from six to, you know, plus sizes. We have maternity. We have kids. We have men's. So it's... it's funeral dresses. Funeral dresses. <laughs> So we have, you know, we have a, a very sort of broad area. And I think one of the great things about New Look is it's a very well-loved brand. You know, mm. it's it's it creates a happy feeling. It's, you know, it's, it's a very easy to wear, easy to understand. You know, we sort of index between Primark, Marks and Spencers, H&M, you know, all of those kind of sort of big players. We are a massive um, force in the UK. You know, and it's it's that's that's a really exciting thing about it because I think you know we've been around for for a very long time, and it's how you evolve those brands and how you kind of keep them relevant and and yeah. use technology to help that. So, just before we move on to Anton, I think there's a link here. You mentioned you'd come from a uh, a traditional retail mm-hmm. background, but yet you are now a digital to your fingertips talks about AI multi-channel professional. Now, digital is quite hard to pick up if you don't have a background in it. So just tell us about your route from, you know, one day looking through the stock room to throw out some Jimmy <laughs> Choo trainers to all of a sudden um, being <laughs> an AI-driven, data-honing uh, professional. What, what, tell us about that journey. I think I've always been really curious and I've always liked to look at patterns and things. And I think merchandising is a very data-driven mm. profession. Mm-hmm. So I think the move from that data to digital merchandising data isn't a massive stretch. You're just looking at different ways to sell things to the consumer. So when I originally started out, because I'm so ancient, that, you know, the internet wasn't a thing. So you were selling things on the physical high street. So you're kind of still using those principles, but have, you've got different tools to actually connect to the consumer and and sell them and I think you know the main thing that I really enjoy is I really enjoy learning and I really enjoy looking at different ways to solve problems and that's why I've kind of moved into sort of different spheres and different areas you know I I worked when I was at Farfetch I did a lot of visual merchandising and that's you know really applying those shopful principles of you know it's very designer-led you know luxury brands you can't kind of put some of them next to each other so it's it's you know using those skills that you hone in physical retail on a in a a sort of an omni-channel world and i Hmm. i really like the omni-channel piece because i think it's about a consumer so i she shops anywhere you know i shop my favorite brands i shop online i shop on the app and i shop in the store Hmm. and i think it's knitting all of that together and thinking about her as a a one, you know, yeah. one across all. Especially because, you know, she thinks about the brand yeah. rather than the channel. Yeah, exactly. Um, She's very again, channel agnostic. If, if one were being provocative, which one definitely wouldn't be, if I look at the store estate of New Look, it's a very different experience if I'm in Abergavenny, South Wales, yeah. versus in Mortimer Street looking at your, you know, head office and you know the lovely London flagship Mm -hmm. so there is quite a span that the human physical consumer will have had with your human physical stores and then she'll go online and see the flagships and the rain Mm -hmm. so there is quite a lot to bring together even beyond the digital versus physical yeah and I think 
the store estate is harder to maintain because it's a physical thing, right? You mm. can you can change a website around relatively easy in terms of the merchandising of it. What you don't have online and you do have in stores are our amazing store colleagues who, you know, have fantastic relationships with our customers, who know them, who speak to them, who know their needs and wants. And I think that's something that from an omnichannel point of view is so super important because you mm. people buy from people, which is obviously when you're standing in front of someone, much easier than when you're trying to replicate yeah. that yeah. online. Yeah. Or they buy what JLo's wearing. Yes. I mean, at, at risk of ruining your perfectly uh, timed segue into talking to Antonio, but the fact that you're both sat there in black dresses, I did just check. And actually, if you search funeral dress yes. on New Look, this is a perfect selection of no. funeral dresses. So we can now confirm. Actually, you need to take a screen grab of that. We'll put it in the notes in the so notes, people can see. That this is a legitimate thing. And it's, yes, your search is performing beautifully. Lovely. Thank you. Okay, congratulations. Well done, my team. Yes. But, <laughs> but can I just say that if anyone is listening and thinking funeral thoughts, you know, our, our deepest condolences and thoughts are with them at this yes. time. Sorry. Even what they're searching for. Um, Ntola. Hello. <laughs> so, you told us you have a merchandising background as well, but you are currently not just fashion, but you're dealing with pots with spots. Is that a fair way <laughs> of summarising Emma Bridgewater? Is that yes? I, we make beautiful product for your home. Thank that you. That is what we do. That's, that was yes, the I feel like you, you maybe downplayed it. I think they yes. would have positioned it okay. slightly higher end than pots with spots. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about uh, Emma. And in fact, you've come down to today from Stoke on Trent with a factory, the manufacturing. So. Just draw us a quick picture of that, and then we'll look at how you journeyed there from your merchandising background to Omnichannel. Of course, yeah. So Emma Bridgewater, uh, for those who don't know, is a pottery heritage brand made and manufactured in Stoke-on-Trent. Started 30-odd years ago, or a bit more, by Emma Bridgewater, so she does exist. And she had a vision to make beautiful product in Stoke, which is known as the Potters, mm. and just wanted to bring all of that together and selling it online. So it's predominantly a digital business um, with most of the revenue coming from online. However, we have over 500 um, stockists globally wow. in the UK. We're in very many market towns, um, in key department stores. We are also affiliated with having made, we don't have a royal warrant, but we make a royal product so if you saw during the coronation and you know key royal events we did make product for that and then we're also in liberties where we sometimes have um, exclusive collections there we have i would say an engaged customer base who are passionate about the brand so you can see every season how they change what is known as their dresses for various seasons various consumer moments and I think what attracted me to the brand is the fact that I'm not just looking after our online, but our wholesale, our distributors, our international. I wanted to be everywhere where the customer is and having the opportunity to do that and grow a brand that's full of heritage, culture, patterns, mm -hmm. not so much different to, to fashion because there's a critical path, you know, there's a selling season, there's a buying season. I think that's really what attracted me to, to that. And having come from retail, from retail on the shop floor, merchandising, I was just attracted to learning everything about a business. And you touched on talking about how, how did I get into digital? I remember when digital was a dirty word. It was, you know, people in a cupboard saying, oh, those are the digital people. That's how <laughs> old I am as well. And just excited about data and connecting data from a brand 
um, I started my career at Inditex. And one of my first experience with tech there was they'd launch the seasons. So basically you'd receive um, a delivery that you would merchandise in your store. And after that, it was up to the store team based on the sales to then communicate what replenishments they would want. And there was a tool that we used, a Cassiopeia, that we would transmit the information. And I said, and this means we get to then place and reorder and then feed back to the team. I was just like, this is amazing. We get to have an impact as to what the customer is buying in different cities. And I I was just attracted to that, curious about helping solve the problem, but not making sure that we had too much stock of certain items and... Yeah, that's sort of the background. They, they're the merchandiser speaks, you see. So yeah, the digital yeah. person would say, I need an infinite amount of stock to satisfy every customer whim. And the merchandiser said, well, I don't have too much stock because I need to make some money. So <laughs> you have kept that merchandiser angle there. But again, let's let's look at that journey because it's not easy to go from, I have a data mindset, uh, I am fluent in Excel and can do pivot tables that no one else can do, to all of a sudden moving into the digital, algorithmic, processy world of, of multi-channel. So was that something that came easy or you know, how, what was that learning journey like? That actually came from, so when I was working for a particular brand, we were looking to expand wholesale. And classic wholesale is, you know, you go to a trade show, you sell in and, you know, you get an order and the stock's delivered and that's it. But what was happening is some of these wholesalers were opening up e-commerce platforms and the way they wanted the data, the way they wanted to work with us was completely different. They were talking about, you know, integrations, now it's APIs, and it was a different way of thinking. And to be honest, in most of the businesses, nobody wanted to get involved with that. So the merchandisers were like, well, we don't want to deal with that. We've told you there's a line sheet and that's (laughs) it. But we had to then get involved in the tech aspect. And one of the first big clients um, that I opened up from an e-commerce perspective in the brand I was working for at the time was Zalando. Mm. And they are the... We've heard of them. We've heard of them. They're the biggest, you know, e-commerce player in um, Europe, very tech driven. And if you wanted to work with them, you had to understand what they required and sort of make a business case, sell into the business Mm. that this is how we're going to make our money. So sort of by accident where probably maybe no one was interested in linking, you know, um, physical retail and digital together. And that's sort of how it spanned. There was was a window of opportunity and I sort of just took it, solving that problem um, of connecting the two together. Interesting. And, you know, we talk about this quite a lot in terms of the skills agenda, especially because... You know, there's always a, a, a balance between the size of your head office and drive things centrally and then the people in store. But also as, as the store's under pressure, you know, one of the big conversations is how you take people who know the brand, who have frontline service experience, but you know, maybe haven't been in formal learning for a while or haven't encountered digital other than as a user to offer career paths for them in head office or in omni-channel as well. So, you know, there's a big push or need rather to upskill people who've shown ability in parts of retail. What do you think the opportunities are for people, especially maybe mid-career, to embrace omni-channel now, especially learning digital skills? I think now it's probably much easier because there are courses online that you can do. You know, there are academies, some are free. Mm. I think you have to be, you talked about it, about being curious 
to want to learn and understand problem solving, being, you know, curious about data and how you make it work. A lot of the tools or the tech stacks that we adopt is they they give you a tool. So we're working with Content Square or Nosto, so mm-hmm. category merchandising and customer journey. And there's a whole university set that we have to learn ourselves. So they'll help you with the onboarding, but then it's up to you and your yeah. team to be curious enough to engage with the content. So I think one of the key successes, if you do want to rise and understand, is you have to want to learn. So let's talk about AI. If you're not interested in going on those courses, watching the the webinars, seminars, you will fall behind. I think it's like the sixth industrial revolution, you'd call it AI, the next mm-hmm. one. And if you don't want to learn it, you will be behind. So I think if you're looking to make a pivot or change in your career, you have to want to learn, you have to be engaged. And a lot of it is um, problem solving, mm. being curious about data, being curious about tech, understanding you know, usually we're trying to solve a problem. So it's, for example, where I work now, it's um, we want to make beautiful products. So we know that people are interested in gifting. So what's the question we're asking? What are key consumer moments? Okay, how can we tap into that? How does our product speak to that? What are customers searching for at the moment? How does that impact um, our range building and what we're manufacturing? So all these things, I think being curious about that will help you if you are transitioning into a, a digital um, career. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think being curious in general is such a life skill that people kind of forget about. Where When I worked in advertising, we used to talk a lot about how it was a sea of sameness, not just, but just in the fact that everyone was kind of reading the same thing and everyone's watching the same thing on TV. So, if you know, there's a series on Netflix where everyone talks about it and then everybody watches it. And if something's on, you know, other streaming services are available, (laughs) whatever you watch, everyone watches it, whatever you read, everyone reads it. And so there's um, even the stimulus that's forming people's thoughts are the same. So then when you're trying to come up with a creative angle or you're trying to differentiate yourself and your thinking or your career, whatever, it's really hard to do because everyone's kind of Yeah, because even same. with the customer, I mean, we now work with an agency that talks to us about customer met- metrics. So not just analyzing their data, but their be- so the data and behavioral scientists. Mm. That's a big thing now. Yeah. So if you're studying that at uni, well, you know, claps to you, tap, tap on the table, which we won't do. Uh, <laughs> but really, that's the direction where yeah. you're not just understanding what the data holds, but how is the customer actually behaving mm. to help us with our decisions of how oft, how, how you know, the repeat purchase, when will they come back to the site, what's the lifetime value? That is just all a new way of thinking. But how does that change behavior? Because there was a time when you'd fill the shelf at 10 to 9, say, that looks nice, open the door at 9 o'clock, the shelf would be empty, and you say, job well done, cash till full, you know, roll on tomorrow. But now we're having to talk to the customer X month before she buys, then watch her on Instagram wearing the dress to, you know, the occasion, Mm. then see that dress come back, you know, maybe covered in lipstick, Tahitian blush or something, (laughs) for a refund, or we then have to care and recycle it, or do re-commerce and mm. then watch her recommendations. So in a way, we've gone from the, the purity of buy it, goodbye, nice to see you, come back, to we have to love you, care about you, analyse you, think about your emotions. There's a lot more going on, but does it lead to more profit, to better retail, or is it just 
you've got no choice because if you don't do it, you're going to fall behind. So all this data, are you rolling in cash or is it just that the level of competition has increased? I think we're fighting for for market share even yeah. more. Because mm. I feel that there are, well, not feel, the data I'm sure will show that there are more brands out there than ever before. We're consuming more than ever before, which is probably not great. Um, mm. And we have suddenly gone into this thing of whether it's luxury or fast fashion of having so much seasonality, which is, you could argue that's another debate, whether that's good or bad. But if, we, if you go back to classic retail, when I used to work in a store, is yes, we'd get the delivery of the product and we put it on shelf X or merchandise it on the table. And funny enough, there would be some product that would sell better that was at the back than versus in the front. And our only information was, well, that didn't sell. What are we going to do? We're going to now merchandise it differently, mm. bring it to the front, understand what was going on, get feedback from the staff to see if people were trying it on. They'd be listening in the fitting room to what was going on. So yeah. mm-hmm. now we're doing that online with the tools and the yeah. algorithms. Yeah. So it's it's still the same way of working, except it's now we have visibility into people's lives, into people's, you know, bedrooms mm. doing the get ready with me outfit oh, yeah. of the yeah. day. Just, and, you know, just, the dresser just clarity, table. you don't actually have visuals into people's bedrooms. Just oh, for yes. everyone listening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. we yes, do. On Instagram, yeah. That's do. what it's I like meant. I did mean on Instagram and TikTok. She's watching. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's how we, you know, the unboxings of the table that we have as well it's yeah. similar as people opening up put, putting on their table dresses and we're like okay yeah. this is actually working merchandise is- although it is a bit heartbreaking when someone says oh I've got a delivery and they show you their sort of ring door cam when someone brings you a vast one they try them all on and say you know I've tried these on then they put them back and say I'm now returning them all and you're thinking you know what part of but that's uh, helping my shopping experience you know I yeah. like to watch um on Instagram and YouTube. <laughs> Not directly through exactly, people's Exactly, yes. <laughs> people who look like me have a similar size. Yes. How yeah, they've agree. ordered the product. Yeah, 100%. And because, I agree. Unfortunately, you know, talking about product attributes, some websites are still not getting it right. And mm-hmm. I don't want to order five sizes of something to send it all back. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, agree more. I think there's a really good example. And you were, you were saying about in stores, you know, uh, your store colleague, if you walk into a store, you can see the person and you know their height, their weight, what colours they're wearing, what kind of style they're wearing. And online, you're trying to replicate that in an algorithm yes. based on the information you know. So yeah. so humans innately know how to do these things and we're trying to train machines mm. to do it at scale. Yeah. And, do you know, I think countries that have gotten it, so if you've ever been to China, is they've combined retail, physical and online. So I'll go into a store, I'll try on the product and... You know, if I buy it online and it's delivered to my hotel or house a few hours later, that's fine. The retail store is still attributed that sale. Mm-hmm. That's so really it's encouraged just in case they don't have it. It's not the classic. And also accepting, I love a few, I think you work for a brand where you talked to me about how I could return something that I bought online or I could use the same payment method that I use online in that store yeah. or even better the code that I was given online, I could redeem it in store. Yeah, it's so important. I was like, that is a true omni-channel experience. So I think it's connecting the dots Mm. is what we need to do. 
Um, yeah. Well, we have been connecting the dots for a while, haven't we? Yeah, but um, you just—it's—it's it's kind of connecting the dots, but explaining to everybody why why mm. you're connecting those dots. So, you know, to your example about returns in store, you know, if if you're taking that return off that store's sales, it's incredibly demotivating. Yeah. But if you don't, and then you kind of, you know, the store colleagues then upsell to the person who's returning or upsell to the yeah. collect or you have a bounce back matcher, that's a very, very different way of looking at it. And I think it's spinning that thing. And, you know, I, I've worked at Arcadia and that, that went one way. And that was very focused on trying to get as much profit out of the customer with as little effort rather than the other way around so it was how to stop the customer doing things and how to how to delay the return or how to do all yeah. of this rather that and, and you know the customers yeah. voted with their feet in the end yeah but it was it's you, you turn it around and think actually how do I make it easy for the customer how do I empower the store colleagues and and mm. and make it a, a different experience from a positive way yeah great well this is all being very positive Let's look forward. So um, <laughs> when we leave the cosy studio and you head back to the coal face of commerce, mm -hmm. uh, what's exciting you? Obviously, hundreds and hundreds of tasks and problems, but if you think, oh, I can't wait to get my teeth into dot, dot, dot. Rain, tell us what's, what's keeping you excited at the moment coming up next. Um, I think... Chat GPT and all of those things are so exciting because it's the amount of things you can do at scale. But the thing that's always excited me throughout my whole career is actually the product. Mm. And it's, you know, I really like fashion and I really like, you know, whether new things, whether I'm buying them, you know, pre-loved or any of those things. And it's that trend and excitement and creativity. And that's the thing that I really love and it's why I do it. The, all the rest of it is kind of the tools to be able to do it better. That sounds very positive. Uh, I'm, I'm a very positive you sound, person. You sound just kind of questioning of this level of positivity I'm in the room. I'm very positive. <laughs> <laughs> I, just think, I just think it's quite nice that we're coming back to product. It's like, oh, mm, that's refreshing. Yeah. But it is because that's what you're selling. You're selling the product. So you've got to believe in the product. No, it's nice to love be reminded of that because sometimes we get so caught up in mm. the process. You, you, It's like, you know, I've got... You're you're running a sausage machine, and you forget yeah, totally. what you're putting in it. As long as it comes out, I hate that ground. analogy so much. Really? It's oh, just, really? Yeah, everyone. It just putting in squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> tofu. <laughs> tofu. Oh, courgette. that's actually the sausage. Oh. Okay, fine. That's another bit to cut out. I'm sure. Later. <laughs> uh, and tell her what what's exciting you because you rushed here today, so you're obviously super busy. Uh, what what are you looking forward to next? Oh my god, what excites me is tech and I think AI is going to be brilliant and I say this because we have such a small team who works so hard and I think tech could remove a lot of admin tasks mm -hmm. make life easier so that they can also just focus on product and the customer so whether it's you know fashion or pottery I think it will really help because there's okay. so many admin having tasks. I just have to ask, because um, we're all like loving ChatGPT, and we do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's ChatGPT is one small one example. Yeah. One example. One example. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whether it's LLMs or this your own data or whatever, one of the experiences you get is hallucination with the LLMs. They, they want to give you a good answer, so it'll make stuff up. Um, <laughs> There's the train. So, so there, there are lots of amazing things it does. But we've also talked about exactitude, 
product attributes, confidential data. So I don't want to be negative about it. I agree with your enthusiasm. As you're looking at implementing the many, many opportunities of AI within the products and capabilities, are there any sort of heuristics or approaches you developed that make you feel confident about using it? So, yeah, let's turn it on, but make sure you do X, Y, and Z, or train the people, it takes this or that. What's the reality? Yeah, yeah but, it's turned on. But what? can you just... What? <laughs> you just went, <laughs> yeah, it's turned on and all that. <laughs> like, you just turn on AI. But to be honest... <laughs> it's already there. It's it's always been there. He even says, because I squeak then. I squeaked, didn't I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, every tool yeah. in marketing says it has AI. It does. It, it has does. machine learning. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know whether, like, we're in here and all the AIs are talking to each other <laughs> about well, us behind our back. Well, I mean, iPhones are they on our colluding? table, so we know what's going to exactly. appear on they're gonna, you know, You're going to have an advert for some strange <laughs> funeral dresses. On your phone now. Funeral dresses I'm going to go back to Adobe sausage. headquarters and they're going to go, and what are you doing on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I say, yeah. But then you will get an ad for squirrel sausages. And nail varnish. And Tahitian blush. There you go. I think I think the thing is that you still need humans because you still need that human touch because AI can't do taste and it can't do kind of randomness and it's not very good with newness. Mm. So in a, in a meeting today, because we always have, you know, gazillion meetings about AI, I use the example of the Barbie movie and how that went absolutely exploded. But if you've been planning, you know, nine months out for a long lead time things you wouldn't necessarily have known we needed so many things that were pink yes so so it's then you kind of have to have that human mm. element in yeah. it as well so that you can yeah. you know it would have been for a short window isn't it short it was a very short window of people wearing pink yeah but yes. it's still it was yeah. our most forever wow. for, for quite a while but i think it's that kind of you need to have the to your point the the ai to do the heavy lifting and then the humans doing the human things that are creative, are more yeah. fulfilling, mm. are collaborative, and not just, I don't know, adding product attributes to something that's, you know, quite a, a mundane task with a pivot table. I, I think, I, and I'm sure you'll correct me because this is your actual job, but um, <laughs> the ability to actually respond to events like you were talking yeah, exactly. about before, right, yeah. Nutella? Yeah. That you're, yeah. you're finding a moment to be able to sell that product, right, as a gift or yes. whatever, or a funeral, whatever it may be, to be able to respond to a moment quickly yeah. and come up with new yes. creative, market it, uh, merchandise I mean, it. The weather the, is, is a that's prime a very good example. example. <laughs> your ability to... So yeah, exactly. And your ability to do that through AI yes. is tenfold. Like, you know, what you would have had to have briefed an agency or your internal creative team. Can yeah. we please help? Now you don't. You just say, can I please using Adobe products, you could literally just say, I want this picture, but I want it on a beach and I want her to wear a bikini yeah. and exactly. could you please create it in 10 million or assets Or with the JLo example, you can say, find me all things that are like JLo and attribute them now. Yeah. yeah. Rather than exactly. having to delegate that and yeah. not yeah. until Wednesday. And even when it comes to kind of like marketing journeys, like if yeah. you're looking at automation Absolutely. or whatever, AI will now start to recommend things based off things that are trending. So, for yeah. example, with Barbie, it might say, well, actually, Barbie's trending. So should I chuck in some some different parts of the marketing journey to appeal to audiences that like this? So, I mean, it is kind of about that curiosity. Yeah. And if you've got people that want to learn and can figure out how to make the most of it, I think yeah. it's really exciting. Like yeah. If I was in a merchandising, I'd be like, course, oh, my gosh. But also recognising that uh, last year, if someone had entered Summer Barbie 
into a search engine. Yes. Ooh. They would not have meant <laughs> no. this year's Summer Barbie. They would not. They've got very different images. Probably of yes. you with a pair of tongs. <laughs> tongs. Tongs. <laughs> tongs, not them. That's right. Uh, well, I think we've now bottomed out on that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. We've gone full circle. Yeah. So we've covered up what we're off to next. So thank you very much for that. I particularly love that curious learning and skill developing journey with customer focus and everything from squirrels to Tahitian blush. I think we'll call that a wrap. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. Oh, it was really good. Can we take it off? It's like, yeah, I know. It was like really really tight. Tight. Aren't, you, aren't you thinking that your voice sounds much nicer? Than my microphone? voice sounds so much better yeah, through the headphones. Like, I don't so like we'll my just take voice this with out. us wherever yeah. we go. <laughs> oh, there must yeah. be some magic. Maybe these are little magic things. I don't know.